If you're going to go right into our Bibles, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, one of the two main grace-giving chapters in the Bible. Uh, we know it as faith promise missions giving chapters. Uh, it's known before, and sometimes people critique that name, faith promise giving, because you don't find that phrase, faith promise, but you find grace giving given, and so people say it's, it's grace giving. But we know it as, you call it what you want, but it's missions giving. And uh, it's so other passages of Scripture deal with this subject in the New Testament. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, side passages would be Philippians chapter 4, which we'll reference tonight here in a minute, here, and then several chapters in Acts. Paul talks about this event that took place. Let me just give you just a quick overview. In the late 40s, that's AD 40s, early AD 50s, there's two recorded events or times where there was a great drought, uh, famine in uh, the land of Judah, Judea, of course, or what we know of Israel today. And, uh, of course, there's no welfare, there's no government agency and so forth. And the despised people, the most despised people, in that world would have been Christians at this time. And the church at Jerusalem had swollen to great numbers, of course, and many of these people were destitute and without jobs because they were the, the, the offscouring of the rest of the community and so forth. They were shunned by the Jews, they were hated by the Romans, etc. And so, so there was extreme poverty that was taking place to the point of death. I mean, it made probably Venezuela look like affluent. Uh, uh, I mean, but these people were starving to death, probably. And uh, the church is hurting tremendously. And so Paul, we see this in Acts, and we see it referenced in Philippians, which we'll touch on. And these two passages of Scripture, he goes to this rich church of Corinth in um, Greece, of course, and he pleads with them for a, to take up a love offering to help out the church, the poor church at Jerusalem and the saints there, of course. And so it was an a offering we want time to go into all the details of this. It would take several messages, of course, just first of probably three messages in the next two weeks on this subject, but uh, this, this great need of this, that took one year for them to go around and give the word, hey, we're going to take a love offering and try to help these folks out. And, of course, they had to travel by foot or horse, however you want to. And it was, uh, they didn't get around as fast as we can get around today, of course. So with that said... We want to read verses 1 to 15. I'm going to let you remain seated. I want you to be comfortable tonight. And just follow along with me as I read, please, 2 Corinthians 8. Again, chapters 8 and 9 are, if we had time, we would do entire chapters, both chapters, but we don't want to be here for two hours tonight here. We've got just a few minutes here together. So let's read the first 15 verses of the chapter. Let me read, please. Follow along carefully. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit or to understand of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that's upper Greece, by the way, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, by the way, this is a mountain country. This is the backside. This is the, 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 the poor part of Greece. The rich part would be down in the, the burbs, as we know it, or the cities down in the southern Greece. He's, but these, the church at Philippi, the church at uh, Thessalonica, the church of Berea, of course, these churches that were part of this, these Macedonian churches here. For to their power, verse 3, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, verse 4, praying us with much entreaty, asking us that, with begging that we might receive the gift. Please take our gift, take our money. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They wanted to give this love offering. 
They wanted to give this missions money. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave of their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, and that, that as he had begun, so he would have also finish in you this same grace also. And the word is given out, and uh, Titus was one of the emissaries to come and collect the money and help get it to, along with seven others, to get it to Jerusalem. Therefore, as he abound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace, this grace of what? This grace of giving, this faith, promise, missions, giving, if you call it, want to call it that. I speak not by commandment, it's not by tithe, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ said, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He was the first missionary. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That ye might through his poverty, the highest of the high, Jesus Christ came to the lowest of the low, the richest of the rich became the poorest of the poor, that we might be made rich, verse 10. And herein I give my advice, it's not a command, for this is expedient, this is beneficial for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to forward a, uh, to be forward a year ago. All right, we said to, you knew about this a year earlier here, and, and now we're coming to, now, now he says verse number 11. Now therefore perform the doing of it. All right, practice what you said you were going to do. Do what you, do what you say or said. That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men may be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now as at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want or their lack, that your abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Not equal giving, in other words, but equal sacrifice by all, rich or poor in the economic spectrum. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. And we could keep reading here, but we're going to stop right there for time's sake. Let's go to our worksheet, and let me just give you some quick introductory thoughts. I know I'm talking fast tonight. Maybe I'll slow down a little bit, maybe. I got so much I want to say tonight. Uh... You know, somebody said this, you know, I've used it many times, but how do you spell missions? M-O-N-E-Y. And, you know, so, you know what, there's some truth in that, though. There really is some truth in that. But when we talk about missions, and every pastor that uh, knows about Faith Promise Missions, why have I been banging away for 30-plus years that our missions conference is our most important week of our church life, and yet it's one of the most, uh, sadly, one of the most... Uh, poorly attended meetings that we have. Revival meetings are more attended, special events are more attended. Plenty of things are far more attended than missions conferences. And it's not just germane with our church, I'm sure it's prevalent with other churches as well, because people think when you're talking about missions, you're talking about money. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I've used the phrase a thousand times, when you're talking about money, people get funny. And I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, you can handle this tonight, but, but uh, there's one, two, three, ABC, I should say, what missions giving is not, I just want to read these bullet points for time's sake, or A, notice with me, I want to decide what missions giving is not, or faith promised or grace giving is not. It's not something for which anyone who will come around and collect. 
nor will one call you. You will not be billed for any unpaid portion. It is between you and God. Just glance over to look at chapter 9 and verse number 6. But this I say, he which showing, or pardon me, verse number 7 it is, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I like to use an illustration just for the record. I mean, this is years ago now in our church, but uh, I remember I made the mistake. We don't have names on cards, but we have adult, teens, and children uh, to check the box and what you are, an adult, teen, or a child. And so a teen checked the box. Uh, there was a check for the teen box, and, so, and the amount of giving was $70 a week, above and beyond your ties. Well, I thought it was a joke. I thought no kid's going to give $70 a week on top of their tithe. I was wrong. We had a teenager in our church who was making probably, I don't know what they were making, but it wasn't much more than probably 100 a week. And they were giving 10 to, I don't know what the number was were, and I'm looking at Roxanne all of a sudden, she would be the only one that knows, but she's sworn to secrecy, and she's always been secret about that stuff. And it's between, you know, just God and that person that gave, gave faithfully. And, uh, but nobody ever... We don't have names. We don't have names. We don't, we're not going to come after anybody. Of course not. We've never done that. Never, never will do that. But number, letter B, it is not something that is given after all else is done. Well, I'd like to preach right there. Um, some people think that giving to God's house is giving of your leftovers. And uh, just for the record, uh, I know churches said, and uh, Brother Ray and Bonnie, uh, I just, we got a little secret going. We know, know, know about these things that some people say, we well, got to pay all your bills first. And then you give not tithe, you give grace giving. That's so flawed, it's ridiculous. We're going to look at, give, give you your best advice, give the first fruits to the Lord. But uh, if you waited to give, I don't know about you, but if you waited to give until you had everything paid, I'd, I'd never give anything. I'd never, you could never get everything all paid because you keep buying and buying, right? I could start preaching. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33 says. And all these things will be added unto you. But seek first the kingdom of God. Let us see. It is not to be taken out of or away from your tithes and offerings which go to support your local church. The tithe is the Lord's to be brought into the storehouse, the local church. Now, I got to thinking about this just for the record. This is, this is too bad. This is, this is reality, though. We spend more money on those right there those lights that are burning right now every month than we do on missions in our church. Or we give towards, uh, uh, well, let me qualify that, to our actually 21 supported missionaries. By the way, the board's going to get done here real fast here, Ray's. We've got the final information today, Ray. So soon you know, that board will be up and running and the lights will be running here before the missions conference. But anyhow, uh, and so uh, it's not to be taken out of uh, our tithes and offerings. By the way, I just wanted to say, Tomorrow, $8.5 billion will be bet on something called March Madness by 47 million Americans. That's roughly the number of Christian, amount of money that Christians give to missions, not counting the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons that give to missions uh, throughout the whole church here uh, in any given year by Americans. We'll spend more money on gambling than we will on missions in just a two-week venue of called March Madness. Well, let's go down to what missions giving is for time's sake. I'm, I know I'm hurrying. Maybe I can start to slow down a little bit. But what is grace giving or missions giving? It is a willing 
It is willing offering from you to God, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 8 to 12. And for time's sake, uh, we're not going to read all these verses here again. I commented as we read. Uh, So let's go on to letter B for time's sake. It is you asking God to show you and obeying what he wants you to give to world missions. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You could turn there, if you would, please, after Galatians, or Galatians, pardon me, after 2 Corinthians, we get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter uh, 4, in verses 6 and 7. It says, Be careful for nothing, or be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We should pray, by the way. We should pray for everything. Certainly we should pray for, Lord, what would you have me to do for one, a period of one year for missions? By the way, I just, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a lot of people not here. It's too bad that we're doing this on a Sunday night, and rather Wednesday night, not Sunday morning. Uh, the core core is hearing this tonight for the most part here. I understand that, and it's, it's almost a shame, but... but uh, we to pray about what we are to give. The Bible says in verse number seven, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so it's obeying what God tells us to give. Uh, I had to do this quickly. We spent three hours today with uh, the uh, a group called the Cecil B. Day Foundation. Me and Caleb uh, spent time with Woody White. He's been the president for the last 40 years, and Rick... Uh, can't get Rick's last name out, but it doesn't matter. You don't know him anyhow. But uh, they're telling us a story about Cecil B. Day, who was the founder of Days Inn, the hotel chain. And when Cecil B. Day was a young boy, he died at 46 of cancer back in the 70s. When he was a young boy back in the 40s, early 40s, his dad was a Baptist preacher, and it was a revival meeting. It was just a really neat story. He had, Cecil had a nickel on him, which was a lot of money in 1941, I think the year was. And he had a quarter on him, which was mega money for a kid. And uh, the, the offering was, uh, the, there was evangelists there, and Cecil B. Day pulled out of his pocket the nickel. be worth about $10, $20 today, I'm sure, of maybe more than that. And then a quarter worth maybe $100 for a 10-year-old kid. What will I give? What will I give? And he got convicted, and he said, I'm going to give the quarter because the evangelist needs it. So he gave his quarter. And the story goes on that the, 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 they took the evangelist to the train station and the evangelist pulled out of his pocket and he says, no, Cecil, I want you to give this to your brother and to, I want you to split it in half and uh, uh, I love you and I want you to be, be blessed of God and so forth. And he gave him a $5 bill in 1940, 41, I think the year was. Now, if you do the math, that's two fifty dollars apiece. That was, he, he gave his quarter and God blessed him 10 times back. In just a moment of time, I'll tell more about the stories of our three hours together here in just a moment here. But, but uh, given it shall be given unto you, the Bible, the Bible says. In fact, letter C, back to Roman numeral two, is a matter of trusting God and his promises in the matter of sowing and reaping both on earth and in heaven. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, uh, verses uh, not on your worksheet, of course, but uh, whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. I guess I didn't finish the story. Cecil B. Day learned a principle that he never forgot as a little 10-year-old boy. Given, it shall be given unto you. Reap, you know, give much, God will bless you. And so when he died, he, he bequeathed millions of dollars, of course, to help the gospel 
go around the world, especially in New England for the record, but that's another story. But uh, he, he, he found that faith when he was a kid. And of course, God blessed him with uh, his owner of Days Inn. But uh, let's go on to verse number, letter D. It is trusting God enough to be moved to action. Uh, okay, let's turn there. If we don't get through this, I'm, I'm hurrying too much already, I feel it. So let's just turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. Don't worry, we're not going to get through the outline. We'll just go as far as we can go. And then 2 Kings 17, would you turn there? Because it's important that you see these verses of Scripture. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Kings. 1 Kings 17, thank you for that. <clears throat> This is a story, we had a message, of course, Sunday on the widow, uh, on widows, and here's the story of the widow at Zarephath. And uh, the question is, once again, or rather the, the statement is, letter D, it is trusting God enough to be moved to action. Here's the story, there's a great famine in the land. Many of you already know the story. The widow is, she's a widow, of course. She's in the land of Sidon, a God-forsaken part of the world of, of uh the Middle East, of course, and uh, her, her and her son, she's going to make the last cake, last meal, and she's going to die. There's no more oil in the house. There's no more meal in the house, and uh, they're just going to eat and die. And this is real life. And Elijah comes, and of course, it's been, it hasn't rained for three years. Many of you know the story. And of course, the rain that came in, uh, well, I'm getting too detailed, but uh, or, or it hadn't rained, not, excuse me, he called for no rain. It hadn't rained for a year and a half or so, whatever it was. But notice three things about this. Notice, first of all, the servant that God used. In verse number 9, I want to just spend a minute. 1 Kings 17, 9. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, now notice this. The Lord says, I have commanded, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. You know, how about, you know, get thee to California or get thee to Washington and uh, I've commanded Jeff Bezos to sustain you or Bill Gates or whoever. No, he goes to the most unlikely of sources. He goes to a widow, widow woman that's ready to die. She's so poor. And this is the one that the Lord tugged on her heart, or tugged, tugged on their heart. Notice the servant, the first the fill in the blank word is the servant there. God uses the most unlikely of people. And I've I've seen this over and over again a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration. In fact, it's more than that. I know as a pastor, God uses regular people to do his work. I know for a fact that God uses uh, not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble are called. We were talking about uh, Brother Steve Green today. Steve Green is one of those rare exceptions. That's the owner of Hobby Lobby. He gave $3 billion to Christian uh, Charities and organizations. He built the half billion dollar Bible museum in Washington, D.C., next to the Smithsonian. Not many Steve Greens around, but there are a few. But for every one Steve Green, there's 10 million widows at Zarephath. And you and I fell in that proverbial category from an economic point of view, I'm sure. This is who God used, the servants. He commanded the widow woman. He said, I want you. He spoke to her heart. Then I want you to notice verse number 13. It says, and Elijah said unto her, fear not. Remember, he said, he said, go, well, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake. What's the next word? Help me out. First. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these 
and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We never put God last, but that's what everybody does. God says, put, him for, put me first. Elijah said, put me first. Bring it unto me and, and, uh, and, after, and after make for thee and for thy son. I, be careful here, but someone that's not here tonight, I'll just say it that way. Someone that's here at a lot of our services, this person is on a uh, lowly income, I'll say it that way. Most of, you, most of us in this room make far more than this person. I'll, I won't give you male or female. But this person told me that they were giving X amount towards, uh, they, were, they were tithing, even though they couldn't afford it. They, but they can't afford not to tithe. And the Lord, make a long story short, the Lord blesses them. The Lord takes care of them in a great way. And uh, God promises to do that. We see the servant, the sacrifice, and then the verses 14 to 16, the same chapter here. Notice the, the sustaining. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord. Verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and her sickness was sore, and there was no breath in him. And remember, he dies, and of course... He's going to, the man of God is going to bring him back to life again. God, Philippians 4.19, God supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's this sustaining. And so, according to God, missions giving is giving by a servant of God that God's touched their heart. It could be a very poor person. It usually is. It's a sacrifice to give of your little bit first. And then it's sustaining. God says, I'll take care of you. I'll provide all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. I'll just say it, I've given testimony again several hundred times. But God's always taking care of us. Every, every, uh, it just amazes me, it astounds me how God's taking care of our church over these years. We've, you know, 33 and a half years, I know I bore you with my, I'm the only one left here, me and Sonny, that, you know, we're here, the original, uh, Linda's not here, and Linda Young I'm referring to, Linda was original, uh, but, uh, I've seen God take care of us over and over and over again. We've had 33 and a half years of church and 35 years of mortgage payments. And, uh, we've, and we've never missed a payment, not one time ever, not ever, never, ever, zero times in 35 years. God's always taking care of us. And there's been times that have been like the, that grace day. We used a lot of grace days, you know, paying the first, get till the 15th before you're late. There are a lot of 14th and 15th and 16th payments made that were right on the day of the, but God, we always made them. God always took care of us, and he supplies all of our needs according to his riches. Well, let's go back to our worksheet here. I keep saying I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. What missions giving will do? Letter A, it enables the church to actively fulfill the great commission in reaching the world for Christ. And I think of all our missionaries around the world. Of course, I'm looking at that mission board. There's no lights up right now, but there will be. We were talking about Brad and Trish Henderson just a few hours ago. April and I were talking and finding out where they are in Tanzania. And then we were talking about the Wilhites. I read their prayer letter today. They're in Dalby, Australia. And uh, uh, all these places we're going to have marked on the map. But uh, I'll probably never go to Dalby. How many think you're going to be going to Dalby, Australia anytime soon? You got a plane ticket to there? Or how about Tanzania? Or how about South Africa? Or on and on we could go around the world. How about Russia? We go where, how about uh, even England for that matter? Well, maybe England might work, but anyhow, on and on we could go. The point is, uh, we have missionaries around the world, just 20, 
21, actually, all around the world, several in the North America, but going places where we will never go. But the Bible says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let her be for time's sake. It's in, it's, why do we give to missions? It, will, it encourages a united effort. And, uh, oh boy, I just want to just slow down now, real, really slow down and just tell you. Uh, Rick, what's Rick's last name? I can't get his last name out. Nobody knows it here. Rick, uh, oh, it just makes me mad I can't get his name out. But hey, Rick. Rick was a, or is a CMA pastor. He's a Bible college president. Now, CMA may not mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me. There's only 46 CMA churches in all of New England. The Christian Missionary Alliance churches, A.B. Simpson, we, wrote, we, we uh, uh, sang one of his songs, uh, CMA guy. So I'm talking to Rick for three hours today and Woody, and they, they've been in the church world for 40 plus 50 years. Their veterans are my seniors. And I was, we were talking about faith promise missions. I knew I was going to be preaching this tonight. And uh, it used to be a day, and I, and I said what I, and they get around, they get around big time when they go on their tours. They go on once a month, 25 churches a week. They've been doing that for 40 years or thereabouts. They've been in a lot of churches. And so I couldn't hardly talk about a subject that they didn't know well about. And I said this, that there used to be a day in our church, and I'm going back and I'm afraid to say a number of years now. And it's not germane with us. This is a problem. There's still places down south and Midwest. I'm sure there's independent churches, maybe here some in New England, but not many that fit this bill. But the driving force, one of the great driving forces that got people excited and brought people to church and people were committed to the house of God was, believe it or not, faith, promise, missions, giving, or giving, grace giving, to giving to missions to sustain, as the song said, throwing out the lifeline, that we were the rope holders and there were missionaries that are going all around the world and we are, we're, we're, we're like the linemen on the front line of the, the football team, the quarterback or the, the running back can't go very far if he doesn't have a good front line. And we were the front line. We're the rope holders. How you use what analogy you want. And people were faithful to church for years and years to Harvest Baptist Church because we have to give our faith promise missions. We have to be a part of God's team to win the world to Christ. And I said all that to say, I'm talking to Rick and Woody, those days are gone for the most part. The baby boomers and the greatest generation that almost all died off now, I'm talking about the World War II generation, they knew commitment. Baby boomers knew some commitment, a lot, quite a bit of commitment. Then we get to the Generation Xers and we get to the Millennials and we're very, just pardon me, Isabel's only, Isabel, close your ears, I don't want to hurt your generation, but uh, you understand what I'm trying to say. We're getting to a point where, and these guys see it, there's crisis happening in America, in churches, in evangelicalism across America. We're now more concerned with March Madness than we are world missions. The reason to come to church now is what's in it for me? We're the me generation. What can I get out of this? What can, how can you entertain me? How can you help my family? How can you help me? There was a generation that was, how can we help the cause of Christ? How can we advance the gospel of kingdom, kingdom, kingdom of God around the world? And we can, one way we do that, one big way we do that is through faith, promise, giving, and missions. We've lost that. We've lost it big time, and we're, we're losing it. It's going away, and they, they chimed in exactly, preacher, you're absolutely right, they told me, 
And I, I kind of knew I was right, to be honest with you, and I just, it's so sad. But anyhow, let her see. Let's finish up here, at least this section here. Why do we give to missions? Well, it's, it produces good stewardship. We're just stewards of what God has given us. The more, the more we give, the, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. There was a man, some thought a man, the more he gave, the more he had. It's, it produces good stewardship. The moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Be faithful in your faith promise giving. Letter D. It allows us as a local church to partner with missionaries and become co-laborers. Co-laborers is a fill-in-blank word with Christ in reaching people with the gospel. I alluded to it a couple weeks ago, but Christ has no hands but your hands. No feet but our feet. And I'm making the analogy, you know that. And he's called us to partner to actually go out, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, gospel tracts and literature and so forth. I got a letter from uh, Dan DeLong, our missionary representative of BIMI. They brokered, uh, most of you know this, five years ago. I'll tell you a quick story and we'll get done here in just a few moments. But the entire, I mean, from the, the White House and from the Congress or Parliament, they call it whatever you want to, uh, the version of Papua New Guinea. I forget the population is. I think it's... Uh, I think it's three million students, something like that. And they said, we want King James Bibles to be given to every one of our students from first grade all the way through college. And we'll let you go in our schools and give them all away. We've given away, uh, well, last I checked, it was a half million, 500,000 is still, and of course, new kids coming up. They, and it's, I've seen picture after picture after picture of these little kids these high schoolers, these college people granting Bibles for the first time in their life. They're so thrilled about it. I'll tell you another just quick story. And we were talking about Samuel J. Mills. I know this is over in some of your heads in regards to, you know, have the, but we were talking about the Haystack prayer meeting up in Williamstown, Mass. And there, Woody and Rick are very well versed with that history there. And uh, thousands of people still come there and uh, have prayer meetings and vigils and singing. That's the birth of American Christian missions. And they were saying to me, I didn't know this. I knew that the Miramar people, that's the, the uh, what's the country? Help me out. The country before they were Miramar, they were Burma. Burma, thank you. I'm going to get it out. Burmese, thank you. Couldn't senior moment again. But uh, uh, the Burmese people, they are very... There's a Burmese church in New York, or rather Albany, and uh, they go and they they've had prayer meetings at the the uh, uh, at the monument there, of course. And uh, Rick, Rick and Woody were telling me that the Koreans, the South Koreans, come by the hundreds because they thank God for the connection that Samuel J. Mills had in getting the gospel all the way around the world, and they know they realize. And we're we're in the seed sowing business, but we're co-laborers with Christ. Those five boys right from our backyard, two right from 183, Harvey Loomis and Samuel J. Mills, they, they turned the world upside down with the gospel. We're talking about Harvey Loomis today and uh, died in the pulpit and, at 35 years of age in Bangor, Maine. Grew up right here one mile away, one of the Haystack Five, of course. And they, they sowed seed 200 years ago. Think about that. That is being reaped today in the thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people collectively over the course of time. 
We're co-laborers with Christ. Letter E and F and we'll be done. It puts first things first. I've alluded to Matthew 6.33 and we're to put God first in all things here. He cares for us. Lastly, letter F, it encourages the missionaries. It encourages the missionaries. And uh, I've talked to some of our missionaries. Um, Alan Hart called me the other day from, let me get it correct here, Mozambique, not Mogadishu, not Madagascar, but Mozambique. And uh, he called me from Mozambique. His phone's always tapped. Government's listening in on this conversation. But um, he's, uh, the Lord's blessed him in a great way, of course. And uh, he says he's, he's got several, um, he's got uh, a Bible college going, of course, a Bible institute, call it what you want. And he's got three churches going, and hundreds have been saved in Mozambique, uh, Africa. And we had the part of sending that Ohio missionary to, to uh, uh, God-forsaken Mozambique and giving the gospel. One day, I really believe this. I believe this with all my heart. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's some things we won't remember on this earth, but I really believe somehow in heaven we're going to get acquainted with somebody, hey, I'm, and they're going to give us their name, they're from Africa, they're from Mozambique or Tanzania or Kenya or Peru or uh, take your pick, or, well, we don't have a missionary in Brazil, but Mexico or wherever our missionaries are at. And we're going to meet people by the hundreds, the thousands, and tens of thousands that got to heaven because somebody came with the gospel Gave them the good news of salvation. How did those missionaries get to the field? By missions, M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know I'm preaching to the proverbial choir tonight, but let's pray, ask the Lord's blessing as we give towards missions and pray for people that will hear one message probably on the whole subject of missions. And of course, it'll be a missions conference Sunday. And in 40 minutes, they'll uh, have a challenge to make a decision for one year. But let's pray and ask God's blessing on our missions giving. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for each and every person within the sound of this voice here tonight, Lord. I guess I can't say all, but I know, Lord, that many people within this room here tonight are, are just happy, just like the churches at uh, Macedonia, to give, and beyond their giving, and their, Lord, they do it willfully from a willing heart. Lord, help us increase our faith, we pray. Help us to give sacrificially. Uh, Lord, we don't give to get, but Lord, many times because we give, we get. You've been so good to us, Lord. Speak to hearts of many people, Lord, and I even ask, Lord, because I know this is supernatural, that, that those that don't hear these messages, will you'll touch their heart through your spirit, through your word in their own time. Lord, bless, help us keep our missionaries on our field, Lord. I think of Keith and Francis Gaines we talked to today, dear God. Bless them in their, their senior years of their 80-something. Brother Gaines is now coming down with dementia. We pray a prayer blessing upon him. Pray it would be Mrs. Gaines as she's taking care of her husband and they've just now had to basically come off the field as such. Pray a prayer blessing. Lord, I pray that you bless now in our uh, last moments together, we pray. and Bless our missions conference in two weeks, I ask, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll sing one verse here. How about... Uh, so little time, the harvest will be over. Uh, so, uh, what's...